Welcome to the latest edition of the Scratching Pod. My name is Drew Edwards and I cover the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. It's the offseason and so while there has been a little bit of Tiger Cat news, the retirement of offensive lineman Matthew Gerrard, the signing of some uh, big name NFLers to the Tiger Cat Neg list, uh, things are, this is a little bit of a downtime for the CFL and for the Ticats, things will pick up in the next little while with mini camps and with the draft and before you know it, the season will be upon us. But right now it's a little bit quiet and I thought this would be a good time to share with you an interview I did with Zach Caleros during CFL week. Um, it was, it you know, that CFL week was sort of an interesting experience in that it, it gave you access to players in an unusually, like a different environment than than I was used to and I think they were used to. And it led to some very, uh, much more casual conversations. And this interview with, with Zach is interesting in that he really talks more openly about uh, you know his upbringing and things he thinks about football, and it's just it's much different than the usual you know three minute soundbite that you get before a game or after a game. Where you know I think Caleros is very, if not guarded, then certainly avoids controversy at all costs uh, and doesn't show a lot of of his personality, generally speaking. Uh, but behind the scenes, he's really uh, quite a thoughtful guy and. This interview that I did with him was sort of the first, not the first, but probably the best example I have of, of Caleros uh, really being himself and, and talking uh, in a thoughtful way about some of the issues that he's dealing with and that the league is dealing with. Uh, certainly his, uh, his discussion on what quarterbacks face coming from the United States to Canada uh, was really interesting to me uh, and how he sort of breaks all that down. So, uh, yeah, uh, have a listen. Uh, quite an interesting discussion. Uh, so this took place a couple of weeks ago at CFL Week, but I think it's a, a pretty timeless interview in some respects. So uh, here's my discussion with Zach Caleros. I'm here with the Tiger Cat quarterback Zach Caleros at CFL Week. I love, Zach, podca- I, know, right? I love podcasts. Right? So this can- is this is exciting for me. I love. I do. I, like I, I drive it. I drive an hour like all the time to my girlfriend's house in Toronto. So I have a different podcast I listen to all the time. Okay, so give me your hit list. I love. Uh, we've talked about it before. Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Yes, I love it. I mean, I listen to that all the time, and I also love his Common Sense podcast because it's kind of talking about some of the issues that are going on and I like his takes on stuff. He, yeah. He's really thoughtful and I appreciate that. He's amazingly, like, he's so smooth too when he talks. Dude. Like, it's so, yeah. like, this podcast is going to be full with ums and buzz and yeah. all the rest of it. He riffs like four have hours. Ever, have you ever read the, um, the description of it? It's like, Dan Carr has been compared to so-and-so on five shots of espresso. And so, <laughs> you know, so, and, and it is, you know? Yeah. He's great. He's awesome. That's that's probably my main one I listen to, and okay. then like sports sports ones. I like Dan Patrick. I like Coward's takes because he, he usually has strong takes, and uh, Mike and Mike every once in a while just to <laughs> go through the different uh, networks because they all kind of have their own spin on things. Yeah. So. Patrick's funny. How's this been for you this week? This thing. It's been awesome, man. I think I think last year they did a great job with it, um, and then just through that experience, obviously they've been able to improve on things. Um, you know, whoever, you know, Marks and the CFL and the people of Regina who are out here helping, uh, it's been an awesome day, a smooth day. Um, I'm very happy that we get to knock a lot of this stuff out before camp, mainly putting on the pads and 
pointing at the camera and that I don't you know me I don't love that kind of stuff you know so you knock it out and then I enjoy this kind of stuff just talking and talking about the season Simone had a good time with it I think he liked he, I think he liked the fire he liked I'm not, all on, that. I'm not on the snapchat and the Instagram <laughs> but I've everybody I've seen here I'm like how many times has Simone snapchat it and he said so they have they have somebody some volunteer here uh my my lady's a sweetheart uh showing us around so I guess he had like a younger guy and he just gave him his phone and it was like his personal photographer the entire day. Vintage Simone. So, you know, it's great. <laughs> like exactly what I expected. Do you, uh, I've talked to some of the guys about the ability to sort of talk to other players in a more casual environment, right? Like that, you know guys that you play with in other teams and you get to know guys in certain situations, but to be able to socialize without the pressure of the season, without yeah. that hangover, is that, is, does that have value for you? I think it does. You know, it's, it's great to see teammates that you haven't seen since the season or teammates that have left, like Greg's out here. Um, you know, seeing Odell and seeing Sean Lemon, like guys, you, I talk a lot of crap to on the field, and they do too. It's good to see them because they're goofy guys and fun guys. Um, and, and you know, seeing Trevor and Ricky after spending so much time with them in Toronto, it's, it's always great to be in a room with them, catch up, see what they've learned that's new, and then see how their families are doing as well. Um, but you know, I think I think our society has kind of evolved to this, and you especially see it in the NBA. Everybody's friends. I'm, I have more of an old school look on things. You know, I, I'd, I'd rather it be everybody kind of hates each other until after. That's why, like, I heard the story about Larry Bird when I was a kid, and he's like, I couldn't be friends with Magic in the offseason, just not because he hated him, just but because that was who I was going against. And Magic said something to the same effect. I think that's how it should be, but this is awesome too. So. Interesting. Yeah. So you'd rather you'd rather have it be a little salty. Even. I don't want to fight anybody. Obviously, <laughs> I would get my ass kicked out here. You know. But uh, like I I lo- like dude, like when there's like even like a game from like 1999 on TV if it's basketball or football. Uh, I saw like an old CFL game on the other day. I don't know if it's just nostalgic because again I like stuff like that, but it just seems like it was just tougher, man. Like. And guys really wanted to hurt each other, you know. Like, I, and again, I don't, I, I get hit, I can't give it out, but I just love that old style football. I love the baggy, the baggy jerseys. Everybody celebrating together, you know. Like after like a three yard tackle. Like I remember being in high school, and uh, watching my high school, or not in high school, sorry, being like a kid. And my dad would take me to the high school games, and I always remember like it wouldn't matter if it was a three yard gain or a three yard sack or whatever. The defense was always jumping around, not pointing at themselves, but together. Like, great play. You know, like, that's awesome. And I think that all sports need to be more like that. I retweeted something there down if you saw it. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, what's your contact coach name, the women's coach, Gene R.E.M.? Yeah. And he said something to the effect of, you know, it's the hardest thing to do now is to recruit kids that are enthusiastic about playing the game because they see guys on TV that act cool you know they want to be cool like them and uh i think that the game just needs more enthusiasm for each other not all me 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 you uh are you spending your off season in in ohio yeah this year yeah i'm I'm living with my parents right now are you really yeah it's uh it's me my parents and my niece (laughs) it's awesome dude it's all it's it's great you know my niece is five years old now so it's great that i get to see her every day and read her a bedtime story before you go to bed and uh I love being around my parents, and I think as you get, you could probably talk, speak to this, as you get older, you, you cherish that time more and more. I'm still dating the girl in Toronto, so 
it seems like we've been flying everywhere on the weekends for weddings or whatever, just going back to see each other. So that's that's going well too. So, and it's such an easy drive, dude. You got to come down to the Steubenville. Yeah. I'm you. Well, it's it's funny because you talk about it. Yeah. You know, you talk about it quite a bit. It had a it had a huge impact on you. I think growing yeah. up and your football experience there. It's obviously a huge. Yeah. Uh, football environment and and you but you still you still love to be there right yeah i mean it's it's not that small of a town it's twenty thousand people but uh the community of our high school and we had a lot of success so that helps right when you're winning it always helps and whether it's my friends or coaches uh or parents that of my friends that i played with it just seems like we can always pick up where we left off and that's what i love about living in a small town and uh it's no like nothing against cities or anything it's just it's where i'm from and it played a major role in, in my outlook on things especially in sports how you're supposed to play the game and why you play the game you play the game to win the game and you should be happy for your teammates when they do something good not just always worry about yourself and that was always just pounded into us i mean <laughs> hard <laughs> uh this offseason is probably a little bit different from your last offseason yeah. given the, the, the change in your health condition. Are you, is this 100% sort of a regular off season for you in terms of what you can do? Yeah, you know, there, there's, day, there's days, especially when it's cold, that it, it feels a little off, but then usually when I get warmed up, everything feels normal. And I never really go into the gym uh, not feeling great. And uh, I have a great group of people that I work with uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, that I trust and uh, the hardest part is finding receivers but uh, whether it's my dad or some of my buddies or high school kids you know I bring home gloves and make sure and if it's just spot throwing uh, I do that and, and I'm able to get up to Hamilton uh, enough I'm going up next next month a couple times and there's guys up there running around and uh, Luke's in Buffalo so you can always shoot up there too so it's, it's been great man I, I love being home uh, I just love my hometown do you do you pay attention to the things that go on around the team during the offseason? Do you pay attention to what happens in free agency? Do you pay attention to trades and neglist stuff only, and all that honestly, stuff? Honestly, only like I read your stuff. That's pretty much it, to be completely honest with you. I don't follow a ton. I, I know like when you retweet his stuff because he's, he's usually pretty spot on all the time, isn't he? But, uh, Justin Dunk's sitting next yeah. to us chuckling over here. But uh, that's pretty much it. Like I feel like... You know, I have Twitter. You know, I like to follow along the news and stuff like that. So, sure. But all that other stuff to me is kind of like procrastination, worrying about other people. I try to, I try to focus every day on doing something that's going to make me better at my job right now. And I think, I truly, th I mean, that's they're paying me a lot of money to do what I do, and I owe that to Kent and Scott and Bob, and especially my teammates. And I, guarantee you any quarterback would see that here. So I try to, whether it's physical or mental, I try to improve just a little bit every day. And if I'm able to go to sleep at night and not, and usually what keeps me up at night is if I don't do something during the day and I have to get up and do something. Mm -hmm. So that's usually it for me. Is is it is it fair to ask you what you think about the Kaepernick uh, RG3 thing being added to the neg list? I saw it. I, it's, that's football. It's, it's a business. It's, if you think you can improve somewhere, uh, that's what you do, right? So if if that ever if it ever came down to it, and they came to camp, and it'd be a competition. It's competition, and that's what brings the best out of people. Back to the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson thing. Sure. I mean, like you know, it's uh, it is what it is. Somebody's always trying to take your job. 
always. My, uh, again, I always talk about high school. My, my best, one of my best friends' dad was our office coordinator, and I remember asking him when I was a sophomore. I was like, "I'll be the quarterback my junior year." And honestly, it was clear cut. Like there was nobody even going out for it. And I remember he was like, "If you if you win the competition, then you'll you'll play." And so. I don't think anything should ever be handed to anybody. I think that that mentality, I think, is tough for people outside the game to understand. Like fans would see it as people feeling threatened or insulting, all the rest of it. Players, it's part of, especially at the professional level. Insulting is a bad way to look at it. Man. Like, who do you, who do I think I am? <laughs> sure. Like, I'm not Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like, who do who do you think you are to feel that way? I, I saw it the other day, and I was like, all right, you know. I, I don't think anything's going to come of it. If it does, then it's competition. Right. Whatever. It's a good story to talk about for, you know, the news cycle for two hours. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you? I mean, do you, like, it's, you know, you see it from a whole different perspective than I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it doesn't, obviously, doesn't affect me in the same yeah. way as it affects you. Uh, do I think anything's going to come of it? I, I don't, but... Yeah. Uh, do I think it's interesting to talk about? Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. Yeah, I, sure. I do, right? And I, I think, think I think Kaepernick would be good up here. I, I really, I think, he, but I think he should be playing in the NFL. Well, yeah, and that yeah. seems like it's a you know both those guys have yeah. issues outside of well, not I mean Archie's threes is, is about injury and performance, yeah. but Kaepernick seems to be affected by other yeah. things going on in his in his life, right? Which is which is interesting. But I mean, yeah. CFL week, which is how we started this conversation, is is about getting people to talk about the league about yeah. and and things like Kaepernick or Vince Young or whatever gets people to talk about the league and ultimately right. I think that's a good thing. KG was saying to me that when they signed Vince Young people were just blowing up his phone, right? Yeah. People that he knew Vince Young's gonna like not in a That guy can't win. <laughs> Did you see, I don't know if you saw the, the I tweeted out a the guy that picked him up from the airport had Kevin James on the sign for him when they picked him up at the airport. No, it didn't. It did. And so I took a picture. Oh. I took a picture of him standing next to the guy. And he went, and Kevin just put on the best facial expression. Like Sony said, uh, <laughs> Lemon put on Snapchat, "Hey guys, look at Vince Young," and, and had it on Kevin. And I know he's a good sport. And he's somebody like I've always kind of looked up to because he's had a great career, and I think that he handles himself well in the media and. I've never had a teammate that I've asked that's played with him say anything bad about him or any trainer or anything. So well, he's I, done it the right way. Well, and I think that his perspective, when we asked him about it yesterday, was very similar, which is this has been happening to me my whole career, right? Yeah. That where they bring people in to, to challenge me and to and I'm still here. Keeps I'm it. still playing. You know, yeah. a lot of the guys that, that have Dude, if I'm still playing in 10 years, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> Honestly, so I mean, I mean, like I'm 28 now, 30. I don't know how old he is, but I feel like he's if him and Ricky. It seems like they're 45. <laughs> they're probably, probably 37, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. But I think anybody here, any quarterback, if you said like you're gonna play till you're 37 years old, would be like, you take that in hell heartbeat. Yeah, hell yeah. What NFL guys do that? Only the best ones. Yeah, it seems mean, like well Brady, and then and after that, Peyton, Peyton, I mean Peyton. Yeah, he was up yeah. there. So, yeah. well, I think, Breeze is older too. Those guys do a great job of taking care of themselves. Well, and I wonder though, talking about the difference between the NFL and the CFL, if we look at if there's a commonality between the young quarterbacks that have been successful. So, you'd be in that group. Uh, Jonathan Jennings, I think, might be in that group. Uh, you know, Riley, 
they played behind other guys for a couple of years before yeah. they got, got their opportunities. Yeah. I wonder, did you feel that that was a factor for you? I don't think I would have been able to come in. It, it, it was a great system I was in in Toronto. Uh, to like to give you an opportunity to a young guy to play, I think it was pretty. Uh, Scott is such a great coach and was able to articulate what we were doing that maybe I could have had some success, but it'd have been. T- I don't. I don't know if I could have done it. Just here you go, throw you right in. That'd have been tough. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have Scott there, Marcus Brady who played in the league, Ricky, and Jason Moss and Trevor. And Mitchell, like all in one room, like it was awesome, you know. Right. And then going to Hamilton and being able to learn from Kent and Tommy, Kent playing the game, seeing it from that perspective. Tommy not playing the game, seeing it from his perspective, and and obviously the guys that are there, Jeremiah playing at Oregon <clears throat> in a different style of offense than I'm used to, and the way he sees some things are completely different than the way I see some things. And I know he probably see the same thing about it. I've, I've learned a ton from him and his approach, and whether it's watching film or whatever it is. So I've been really lucky. Like, if I'd have got thrown into somewhere where it was just kind of a a cluster, you yeah. know, I probably would be down on the stage trying to be a coach. I, I wonder, too, I, I've asked a couple guys about this over the years, that the throws are, are different, right? So if you played Pop Warner and you played high school and then you played college ball, uh, yeah. a corner route, uh, and out, whatever. All those routes are exactly the same. The geometry is the same. It looks the same. It feels yeah. the same. And then you come here, and the and the just the, the physical nature of that yeah. throw, which has been programmed in you over and yep. over and over again, that's all different. Well, the corner right? route was always the hard one for me when I first came up here because with the waggle, you know, when they coach it down south, it was always at 10 or 12 yards, you're making your break. And you're starting from the same position you always start in, so you know exactly how many strides the guy's going to run. Maybe you don't know it. To, to speak it, but you just have a feel for it because you've seen it so many times. So he's making his break at usually the exact same spot. Up here, you get a waggle, and the way in a lot of offenses, it's either 10 to 14 yards or 12 to 16 yards where they're able to make their break. And that is just, for me, was was very different. And uh, I know my first couple years, I would always underthrow corner routes. And I, I don't know how I had the best guy, the best corner throw ever to learn from. <laughs> But uh, that took a while for me. That one especially. The other ones are, are kind of similar because your feet are usually kind of in the same place. But the corner route, obviously with the dimensions of the field and then the, those guys running so fast and not being able to know exactly where their break is because they might be getting pressed and stuff too. But where again, down south, it's much more concrete. It's much more, this is how you do it. This is your footwork. If it's not there, you're down, down, down. Here, you might have to slow, you might have to slow your three-step down a little bit on the corner route if you're peeking it and while you're holding the free safety because you don't know you know uh if luke's going to be able to break it at 12 or if he has to give a guy a shake at 16 so it's different interesting yeah that was always tough that was uh i never really knew how to like articulate it until like i think me and like tommy condell sat down one day and i was like dude i just can't throw it and, and kent too i can't always told me where my shoulders were and he was right and kind of where my back foot was aligned but tommy was able to kind of just spit out what I just spit out to you. And that, like, you know, I wrote it down a hundred times and uh, it made a lot of sense. Like it clicked, I was like, yeah, it kind of does make sense. Maybe I have to change my footwork because footwork I think is huge for quarterbacks, obviously. And how much do you, how, okay, how do you work on something like that? Like, well, like, it, so if I'm throwing a corner out, if, and usually, like right now I'm, I'm throwing a static guys. So the first two I'll have, be like, okay, back pylon throws. 
you're going to the back pylon. And my first one is perfect. You know, he got the perfect release. Boom, he's breaking at 14 yards. I know exactly where he's going to be. I throw it. Next one I'll do, I'll move slightly to my right a little bit. Like, okay, somebody just got beat. I got to move. And maybe the defender is on the upfield shoulder of the receiver. And I have to flatten him off a little bit in the opposite below him. And I have to throw him this way. And then obviously when you're working in the boundary, it's a whole different throw too because if you're facing like a three double cut look and you're able to fit it in on the sideline versus man where you're still throwing it toward that back pylon, you just have to work the different things and you have to be able to visualize it. I've always been like a visual learner or uh, repetition. I learn from writing stuff down too, but usually when I write it down, especially in football, I can kind of see it in my head. And then when you're doing it on the field, you have to be able to like, okay, I'm looking, I got the free safety, now my eyes are here, you know, I'm saying Bakari. Bakari's not with us anymore. Like, okay, where's Bakari breaking? Okay, now I, I've seen it so many times now. You know, now I know where to throw. And what's cool about the way, like, the game is now technology is, like, Maddie Afnick, or not Maddie Afnick. Uh, Matt Afnick. Matt, uh, shoot. Uh, uh, Drew's brother. Drew's brother. Matt. Anyways, he's the best. Alame. Alame. He's the best film guy ever. But it's cool because he stands behind us with that thing. And if he gets you, like, you're able to zoom in and almost see it from that perspective. Really? So, like, that was big. That's still big for me. Like, you are able to watch drops, not exactly from your perspective, but the you can see different body languages of guys. Like, if the will, you know, Bo, Bo Landry drove me nuts because he always had the same body, body language of – He's never gonna take. He's never gonna go too far past the bender. He's always and he's always gonna shuffle back in. So it's like you, you're able to zoom in and and watch like body language is huge. Like I know that's kind of advanced and it, it, and honest, honest to God, you don't see it every time when you're out there because there's so much chaos. But in practice, like Mike Daly is another one who drives me absolutely nuts. You know, and I love him. I love Mike Daly, but like. I know now because I've watched him so many times. I know if his shoulders are somewhere, he can't make a play on this play. You know, so like once you start getting those pictures in your head, like the the gallop position we call it, if if a if a cornerback is turned all the way, or if he's playing both and, and he's got his eyes on you, you know where you're able to throw the ball. And again, there's so many other factors, you know, that you can't see all the time. But it's cool what technology can do. Can you now? You have that angle when Matt does it in practice. Can you get some of those body language cues off film when you watch it on film? It's easier to get them with, uh, like, the Will linebacker and linebackers, but it's hard to see it the other way because you don't have that behind. I'm sure that I'm sure there's ways they'll be able to do it here in the next couple of years, but I haven't figured it out yet. How much film do you watch in the offseason? I've watched a lot more. I usually watch a lot of NFL stuff, and it's usually just to watch the quarterbacks and their footwork and – I usually just watch Drew Brees and Tom Brady because they're in a system that I think is a great – it's like kind of West Coast kind of stuff that we do, and they're so good at getting the ball out of their hands and their feet are in the right place and where their eyes are, what their eye fixes are, and even like the little – just the little subtleties that they do. Like I, I try to watch them, and then as the season gets closer, I start watching the defenses of, of who we play. And then obviously being able to sit down with the coaching staff and seeing what they've done, what they've learned in the offseason and uh, learn from them. Like that, but like right, like for me now, because we're still pretty far away from camp. It's like I'm just still trying to improve mechanics and, and how to how to get through things. Uh, whether it's play action, you know, where my eyes are on certain concepts, and watching those guys is cool. Because it's like 
it's all the same concepts, right? Like, it is and it isn't, but I don't know. I, I know I'm speaking fast, but I love watching those guys play. And I, I feel like every time I watch, I, there's always like four or five plays I can cut out and, or like I have, to, I have to write it down, like play 40 of Kansas City versus New Orleans. But like I can go back and be like, okay, that's why I wanted to come back and watch this because I need to get a rep of something like that. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm usually sitting at the little bar we have downstairs. My dad's like on the chair watching TV, and I'm I'm kind of watching, but watching film at the same time. It's usually at night. I usually do it. iPad or or laptop? No, I took the laptop from the Tiger Cast. I gotta bring it back. <laughs> Again, Matt Matt uh, Alamein put a ton of film on there for me. So Did he really? Yeah, it's awesome. That's pretty good. It's so great. Do you do you think about this from a coaching perspective as well? Because anyway, my perception is always that yeah. guys just say I want to be a coach and. Yeah. I will say to them, do you like to watch film? And if they say no, then I think I say, yeah. I don't think you actually want to be a yeah, coach. I, I try to think of it from that perspective, but at the same time, I feel like I don't know enough about being a coach. So like, I, I, that's why like, I try to be in there with the coaches. And I've been that way since I was in high school. So I want to see it, how they're looking at it and how they are going to teach it and what they're even looking like. Cause like, I, I, I'm sure I could sit down with a coach here tomorrow who I've never met and look at something a completely different way, which I want to do. Like, I want to sit in, like, Dave Dickinson's room. I want to sit <laughs> in a room with uh, Kahari because he's been a, a CFL guy. And then, you know, Tressman. Tressman learned from Bill Walsh. Like, and I love – like, I just want to – I watch, like, the West Coast stuff all the time. I you can hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, he was with him. That would be so cool to sit with him and just pick his brain for an hour, you know. And then, I, you know, I have – I have Coach Austin, who, who again has seen it and played it, and he brings a whole different dynamic to it. So you get like the best of both worlds in this league. It's pretty cool. I appreciate you doing this, man. It was fun, man. Anytime.